I want to encourage you today. Uh, I want to bring you hope. Now, let me just pause and acknowledge what uh, you may know if you're following along. Uh, this month, we've been outside at our physical campuses, and, to, and this uh, week, today, we are meeting uh, at the Crossroads campus. One church, one day, so all four sites have gathered together at Crossroads for a big uh, service and picnic and baptism and other things. Um, so I'm recording this on Thursday. Can't record it on, um, on Sunday because of uh, obvious reasons, but <laughs> same message. And I still uh, want to encourage you. I want to bring you hope. I want to motivate you to step up. I want to motivate you to lean in. I want to motivate you to move forward. And I think that there are lots of reasons to do so. Uh, yes, there are challenges out there right now uh, that remain. And COVID's Delta variant is, you know, wreaking some havoc. And there are uh, economic concerns and justice issues. And to read the news can be an act of courage. And I, I understand all of that. It can feel like we take three steps forward only to get pushed back too. Um, but I am encouraged. And I'm not simply encouraged because I think we can find our way through these things and we're, we're seeing patterns of that or trend lines that are positive. I, I, I do think that, but I, I want to bring you a message of encouragement and call you to hope for very different reasons. Um, so the first is there's just a lot of things that are going well at the church. Um, in a moment on Sunday, we're, we're going to have an opportunity to baptize a couple dozen people, and that's always an exciting time. These are people who are going public with their allegiance to Jesus Christ. So baptism is one of the two sacred activities of the church, baptism and Holy Communion, and uh, this is, these are things that were commissioned by Jesus. So his ministry begins with baptism, and it ends with baptism, right? This book ended. So uh, in, the, in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, we see that very early, sort of the, the marker for Jesus beginning his public ministry is that he is baptized in the Jordan River by uh, his cousin John. And then at the end of uh, the Gospels, so we go through Christ's life and his teaching, and we watch him love and serve, we watch him die, we see the resurrection, and then just prior to his ascension, so sort of the last thing that he is saying to his disciples, um, there is recorded a, uh, a commissioning, uh, a set of marching orders for the church, and he says, go and make disciples uh, everywhere, and as you are making disciples, um, you, you are to teach them everything that I have taught you. And you are to baptize them uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, uh, to be clear, we are not, um, we are not saved. We, we don't have our sins forgiven by, by getting wet. The, the water itself is not washing us clean of sin. Uh, but this is a... The, the sacraments are visual sermons and they are profound illustrations of deep uh, spiritual truths. And so uh, the people that have identified with Christ 
uh, and are claiming him as their Savior and Lord are publicly declaring as much in the baptism. And so that's, uh, that is always an encouraging moment. Uh, alongside the encouragement for baptism, there's just lots of other things that are going well. Other ways that uh, you in serving and in giving are investing in things that are positive. Locally, there's ministries like you know, CARS and the Justice Center and, and Renew and North Chicago Community Partners and Matthew Holmes. So a couple weeks ago, uh, we had uh, a, a fun week. So two Matthew Holmes were turned over in the same week. And, and on, my mom happened to be in town for one of them. And so that was fun to get to sort of show her, okay, we've got this, uh, it was a single mom uh, and, and we have, we're giving her the keys. She has bought the house. That's the way it works. We, you know, we, we uh, use lots of volunteer labor and donated materials and other things and to try and build or rebuild uh, simple, decent homes uh, for people who want to love their neighbor and be part of, you know, pushing back the night. And so, uh, so that was on a Tuesday and there, lots of people are there and it's a celebration and you give them a Bible and, and pray for them. And so, and my mom was there, so that was fun. And then on Thursday, we had another home that was getting turned over to a young couple. Uh, and and uh, the Illinois Housing Development Association, Ida, uh, uh, we had been in contact with them. They, they appreciate what uh, the Matthew program is doing, and, and we've been in dialogue with them about some things, and they, they called me and said, hey, we're going to be in North Chicago. We'd like to meet with you uh, on Thursday. We can meet between uh, 11 and 1. And as it turned out, and God's timing, only God's timing, uh, we were turning over a house at 12. Uh, and so I said, sure, we can meet in North Chicago. Let's meet, um, uh, let's meet at, at the Lake Forest Campus of Christ Church. I gave him a tour of the stuff that was going on in North Chicago, not just the homes, but, you know, the 100,000 volunteer hours and all the, the tutoring and, and changing closets and other things that are going on. Uh, and, and then we show up at the house, and of course the mayor's there, and again, there's volunteers are there, and there's other people that are there, and neighbors are there, and we give them the keys, and we give them a Bible, and we pray for them, and, and uh, uh, yeah, wow, they were, um, they were impressed. So there's good stuff happening on that front. Uh, and um, among the other things that are happening locally, I'm encouraged by, by some of the things that are happening in other local churches. Uh, doing good things, talking about Christ, seeing their own people uh, being baptized, reaching out, uh, food distribution efforts and other things. Uh, and we, you, just to be clear, you uh, have been investing in other churches as well. So one of the things that happened early in, uh, in the COVID sort of lockdown is that we set aside several hundred thousand dollars to help those that were going to be in some sort of COVID-related crisis and took this money out of the budget and said this needs to be a priority. And a good part of that went to uh, global partners who often have it, um, more challenging situations with this than, than we have. S some of it went to our local partners. And we also, uh, in addition to other things, we gave some money to some uh, local churches because we wanted to see them make it and keep going forward. And so I had dinner 
at lunch uh, last week with the pastor of uh, one of these churches. They had been doing lots of stuff actually helping other churches. And they had also been helping us with the Matthew Home program. Lots of volunteer hours into helping Matthew Homes. And we discovered that they had uh, repair work. They had a, a big leak in their roof that was causing problems. And, and they, were, they were helping others and they were not attending to this. And so we made a small, modest investment for us to help them uh, be, be back in a dry building. And this, this uh, pastor, it's a Spanish-speaking congregation, was so thankful. And I, I kept saying to him, I go, look, uh, really, seriously, the privilege is ours. We get to invest in the work that you are doing. That, that pays eternal uh, returns. And so thank you for what you're doing and, and the proclamation of the gospel and the loving and serving other people and the serving and caring for other churches. And I just, I just wish that uh, you could have been at that lunch to hear the affirmation and encouragement. So uh, I could go on locally, programs, you know, Rev 7-9, St. James. We could talk about globally what's going on. As part of REACH, we were, we were uh, helping start four new churches, two in Ghana, two, one in India, one in the Middle East, and those are still going. They've had to pivot. They've had their own challenges, to be sure but they're still going. So um, I want you to be encouraged, first of all, for what's going on, for what you are a part of. Um, secondly, I want you to be encouraged because when we look back, uh, we see God's faithfulness. So when we look back, we are reminded, right, that, that uh, the church has, has often been pushed down. Uh, the church has often been bullied. The church has often been written off. But the church, the, the real church, God's church, made up of those people who, who Christ has redeemed, right? The, the church is going to prevail. And, uh, and we see this. Um, so uh, I've been uh, doing a podcast since COVID started, a history podcast, because it seemed like one of the things to do uh, when everything seems to be um, uh, at epic levels, like unprecedented, the things that are going on, is to say, no, look, uh, wow, we've got 2,000 years of lots of chaos and setbacks and pushbacks and challenges. And we can gain, I, I love this term, um, Alan Jacobs in his book, Breaking Bread with the Dead, introduced it to me, personal density. And he just said that uh, people who live for the moment or who are living sort of exclusively in the moment and only know about the moment, they're thin. They lack personal density. And in order to gain this personal density, we need to look uh, backwards and we need to look forward. And so uh, in, the, in the backward sense, um, when, when I thought, well, one of the ways we as a congregation can gain personal density uh, is to look back and to see what God has done, to be encouraged by the saints of the last 2,000 years. And, um, and so some of those times are fun to look at, and some of those times are, are discouraging, but fun in a different way. So take Rome. I mean, at the height of its power, Rome is an empire that, unlike any other empire, there's not been an empire like the Roman Empire, right? For over a thousand years, they sort of dominate the known world from uh, England to India, and they've got, uh, they, they sort of have got it all locked up. And at the height of their power, Rome declares that they are going to extinguish Christianity. 
And they set about, various emperors set about doing it. They dip Christians in oil and light them on fire to light up uh, their, their gardens. They, uh, they feed Christians to the lions or they, they use them for, for uh, jousting practice for the gladiators. They take away their jobs. They, they, they diminish their reputation saying that they're involved because of, uh, because of Holy Communion. They say that they're cannibals and other things. They're abused and mistreated. This is at a time. Right, the, the, the Roman Empire is the world power, has always been the, the world power in the lives of the people. That's all they've known is that Rome has been, has been this massive force going forward. And, um, and they're, they're set out to, to, again, to destroy Christianity. And if, if, if Vegas were around and were taking odds, right, the odds about Rome winning this fight would have been astronomical. And yet, today... You can tour the ruins of the Roman Empire for $20 if you want to go look at the Colosseum. Right? The, Rome collapsed and the church keeps growing. We name our children right, after the disciples and we name our dogs Caesar and Nero uh, after their emperors. So I want to say... Have hope because not just do we look around at what's going on and there are good things going on. We can look back at what has happened and be reminded of God's faithfulness. And then additionally, we can be encouraged when we look ahead. Now there are actually other reasons that we could be encouraged. I was, um, I was in Indianapolis a couple weeks ago. I was meeting with the foundation a large foundation. It's not a Christian foundation, but it's a large foundation. They have $10 billion, so they're giving hundreds of millions of dollars away in various programs. And I was not there asking for money. Uh, I was there trying to learn some things that they've been working on. And, but one of the things that they said I thought was fascinating was, we, is this foundation, we are doubling down on the church. Right. Having looked at all these societal problems, societal issues, trends, and other things, we are doubling down on the church. So I'm not sure what that means. And again, I'm, I'm, we're not going to foundations looking for money for what we're doing. Uh, we have plenty of money. It's often still in your pocket, but we have plenty of money. I'm not worried about that. But I, I want us to look ahead. So we look, we look around, we look back, we can look ahead. So a few years ago, um, before COVID, we had, uh, I did a series through the first, a handful of chapters of the book of Revelation. So the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. Uh, and, and we were looking at, in particular, at the letters that Jesus wrote to the seven churches that are in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And he had, he had critiques. Jesus had affirmations and challenges for most all of the churches some of them um, more uh, challenges than affirmations. But um, then uh, we stopped after, after uh, uh, Revelation chapter 5. If you go into Revelation chapter 6, things get a lot more um, complicated. So you start to get into a lot more language that you find in the book of Revelation about seals and, you know, and, and uh, bulls and dragons and all kinds of stuff. And so it gets a lot more difficult to, uh, to understand exactly what's going on. It's a lot more apocalyptic. And in Revelation chapter 6, it gets pretty dark pretty quick. So you talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They come up. Uh, so these four horsemen, and we're not entirely certain 
uh, how to understand them, but, but they represent, you know, death and famine and pestilence and war, and it, it, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a dark section when you get to these four horsemen. And uh, so, by the way, if you're my age or a little bit older, you probably, when you hear Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, you might think of a book that uh, Billy Graham wrote. Um, and if you are, um, if you're younger than me, a little bit younger than me, I think that you think of uh, some wrestling, uh, you know, WWE wrestlers, uh, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. I'm not certain what people today think of when they think about that, but this is a reference. Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse comes out of Revelation chapter 6, and it's murder and famine and war and pestilence, and it's all, all this stuff about death. And so you read in Revelation chapter 6, read through this chapter, and it, it comes... Uh, all this destruction and all this chaos and all this pain and all, all this bad stuff is happening. And then at the end of Revelation chapter 6, verse 17, it says, who can stand? Like, in light of all that's going on, in light of all the bad, in light of all the horror, in light of all the pain, in light of all the injustice, in light of all the, in light of all the struggles, in light of all the murder and the death, and, and in light of all of this that's going on, who can stand? And then the next 12 verses is a description of the church of Jesus Christ that is standing and is worshiping God. Right? The answer to the question of who was made for difficult times is you. In Jesus you can stand. We can stand. Who stands when things get darker? The church of Jesus Christ. Men and women, be encouraged. God wins. Sin has an expiration date. The, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ is certain. Right? You, you, we know how this ends. It could, can it be difficult between now and then? Absolutely. I think we should expect it. I think we should expect to get pushed down. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is not that if you believe in Jesus, then you're gonna, everything's going to go your way. The gospel of Jesus Christ is if you believe in Jesus, then you get Jesus. And you get eternal life and you get forgiveness of sins and you get everything that you need to make it. So be encouraged. The darker it gets, the greater Jesus shines. Do not let the enemy steal your zeal. If we lean in, if you lean in, then the way forward, while challenging, has a wonderful ending. So um, over the next few weeks, we're going to be in a three-week series on uh, John 17. This is a very rich passage of Scripture uh, I was looking, saw one pastor had, had done 47 sermons on John 17. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, a great British preacher 100 years ago, wrote four books on John 17. <laughs> it's a very, very uh, rich passage. And so we're going to be in John 17 for three weeks. Um, and then we're turning to the theme of renewal. So our our 
mission is to try and help people discover life with God. And we, we've described our vision is to help fuel a movement that's going to reach people and renew communities. So we've been focused for the last couple of years on reaching, and that's been behind the REACH campaign, and that was behind 100,000 service hours, and that's behind baptisms, that's behind planting churches and new campuses. That's, that's been outward focused. In the last six months, we've said what we probably need to do as we um, restart is to renew. And uh, so over the, the, the next year, and looking largely at Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at what renewal looks like. So initially it's personal renewal, that'll be the fall, and then it's uh, church renewal, <laughs> that'll be winter, and then it will be um, broader renewal as we get to the spring. So I want you to be encouraged. I want you to have hope. I want you to be certain that God wins. Sin has an expiration date. The darker it gets, the more Jesus shines. You have everything that you need in Christ to move forward. So be encouraged. May the Lord God guide and bless and empower us for the days ahead. Amen.